we are constantly fighting a crisis. So we should not lose the ability for foresight, the ability to prepare, to be resilient, um, and to tackle those other big topics while being in a permanent crisis. Welcome to NATSEC Tech from the Special Competitive Studies Project. I'm Jean Meserve. Lawmakers in the U.S. have talked a lot about the need to regulate AI and other technologies, but they haven't done much. In Europe, it's a different story. The European Union passed general data protection regulation governing information privacy and put it into effect back in 2018. The EU has now formulated an AI Act, which is slated to be formalized by the end of the year. Joining me here to discuss technology regulation and much more is Ava Maydell, a member of the European Parliament and lead negotiator on the EU CHIPS Act and the AI Act. Thanks so much for being here. Lovely to be here. So what explains the fact that Europe is so far ahead of the U.S. when it comes to regulating technology? I guess we just have a different view of the way we think of our societies and of our economies. So over the past um, 10, 15, 20 years, um, after Europe has built some of the most important projects, so to say, that uh, formed the European Union, be it Eurozone, Schengen, the single market, our biggest achievement, uh, we kind of um, lived in a economically prosperous times, not all the time, but when times were difficult, we got together, we stuck together, we were united, we overcame those difficult situations or crisis. Um, and then we started focusing in a way, uh, a previous president of the European Commission, Juncker, liked to call it, we focus a bit too much on the small things rather than on the big things. So I think where we are today is uh, a time to reflect uh, over the past uh, years, because that regulation has definitely contributed to the social market economy that we we have in Europe has contributed to the security and safety of our citizens. Uh, but if you look at our economic growth, um, you would see that we have not been growing at the pace we used to grow, and we are growing at a much slower pace compared to the US. Um, and this is probably because we invested a bit more in making sure that what we've created, we could keep it the way it is. But we overlooked that we need to think about innovation. Uh, we've overlooked that the economy, the economy hasn't grown as much as um, uh, it would make sense for it to grow to sustain the so-called European way of life. I've heard people say that Europe has been more proactive and the US is reactive <laughs> when it comes to regulation and technology. Does that sound about right to you? Mm. To a certain extent, one could say yes. Um, but again, um, we have a different economic system. Um, the, the players are different. Our strengths are very different. And our thinking of geopolitics and the way we see the world, we have very different perspectives. Because the EU, after all, is composed by 27 member states, uh, who, as I said, in terms of crisis, come together. But that doesn't mean they view issues like China 
China or Taiwan or the war in Ukraine in exactly the same uh, manner. So when it comes to regulation, I think what's important for Europe today is to make sure that particularly re regulation in the area of tech uh, puts ahead principles over prescription, that we make sure that we do not just regulate the next big thing, but that we put those um, guardrails that will stand uh, the moment in time, um, that they would have, a, so to say, a, a framework uh, that would provide a certainty, it would provide uh, flexibility in the same time while providing stability uh, at uh, the moment. Uh, whether we are doing exactly that right now, it's yet to be seen. As you said, we're finalizing the, the AI Act. So in a way, we are always, you know, moving faster because the way we see um, our societies is you know from the civil liberties perspective which is a good way to 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 it's 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 a very noble way of approaching the issues but my worry is that we can't sustain that if we don't have the growth uh, so this is why i think we need to to keep these two things uh, at least at a more balanced uh, level and there has been concern that regulation in europe has hampered innovation and 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 disrupted competitiveness. Would you agree with that? Um, well, you're talking to someone who hosts a conference called Regulation for Innovation almost annually. Uh, so I would like to think that the regulation we put in place supports innovation. And I do think there is regulation that have supported uh, innovation. However, today, in order for us to support innovation, I think we need to be talking more about investments, about capital, uh, and about cooperation and collaboration uh, with uh, our closest partner, the US, but not only, also other uh, democratic countries. I think this is how we are going to get uh, the innovation uh, kicking in. True regulation, we're definitely going to make the market better prepared maybe, more ordered. We're not going to maybe have the gatekeepers uh, that many in Europe are concerned of. Um, so it's going to it's going to model the market in a way that that's going to be maybe more predictable. It will have clear rules, uh, but to have uh, innovative solutions, it would require other instruments. So you have said that you want to future proof this legislation. When you're dealing with an emerging technology and innovation is happening very, very fast, how do you do that? If we look um, to past initiatives um, and other disruptive uh, events, in a way, regulation has always been delayed. And uh, I see this as how it's been, it's normal. When we talk about AI, um, I think we need to understand that just talking about regulation, because what's happening now is like we are so focused on the AI Act or other legislative initiatives uh, that we are not thinking outside that uh, remit. And what I'm trying to say is that I think we need to rethink the way we do laws and the way uh, specifically for emerging tech um, and the way uh, we collaborate with civil society on these topics, the way we collaborate with uh, the private sector, 
uh, with academia. Uh, we There's always been hearings and exchanges, but I think it has to come, uh, we, we need to, I don't know whether it's the way we convene and talk about these things. My concern is that today, a lot of those conversations are happening in silos, different silos across the world, different silos within Washington, within Brussels, in London. Um, and it would make a lot of sense if we find a forum and a place where uh, we could talk and convene at a faster pace, um, where we hear different voices, uh, policymakers are also present, and where we could find solutions to the problems that are going to be coming um, past the ones we can see today. So you're not talking about a one-off AI safety summit like the one that's coming up in the UK. Are you talking about some sort of regular meeting, a convening of players in this space that would get together? Correct. Um, and the would latter. It in, and would it include industry as well as government officials? So I think industry is crucial for that dialogue. Um, they have to be at the forefront. And it's not about they being at the forefront of warning whether that we need more regulation. I or doubt less. they'd ever say that, by the way. <laughs> or less regulation. Well, lately we've heard all sorts of calls, to be honest, and they've been very confusing. There's been, I think it's part of the strategy even. There's just so much buzz that you can't focus and signal out What's the way forward? But I think here it's also for industry to understand that it's just not going to be the usual way we used to legislate. We need to rethink the whole process. I think this is the biggest challenge. How are we going to do it? I like to call it a tech-wise console. It could be called differently. It can convene in, in, a, in a slightly different forum or format. Um, but it's not about the UK, the US, uh, the DC or Brussels owning this. We need to understand that we're in this boat together. We are the ones that would like to set those principles and guardrails. We are the ones that would like to see this technology human-centric. Um, so we have to understand that as much as it's a competition, it's also in our own interest that we actively collaborate uh, on the topic. So would our prime competitors be at the table here? Would China be invited to take part in something like this? Well, uh, so let me tell you a little bit, so I give you a bit more context when it comes to China on my personal opinion. Um, so to start with, I think Europe has been neglecting the topic of China and to start a conversation for a very long time. This is why I welcomed the remarks of uh, Ursula von der Leyen a couple of months ago when she started talking about uh, de-risking from China. Now, we have to unpack this word and we need to understand what it exactly means. And what I'm trying to say is that Europe itself will need to have a very clear strategy on China. That's a difficult endeavor as we are 27 member states. Uh, this is why we could at least focus when it comes to technologies, emerging tech, AI, chips. So we need to define a particular focus where we need to recraft that European strategy. So this is just to, to give you a little bit of, of but to answer your question, um, I, I do think we need to be in dialogue um, because we would ideally want China to find our discussions not just interesting and beneficial, you know, as they like to call it, win-win talks, uh, 
more like finding a way of how to bring them closer to the way we think emerging tech should be um, should be uh, developed and most importantly should be used. Do you think you can ever reach that kind of an accord with the Chinese? Um, I'm sure that you talk to people that are way better versed on the China topic. Um, they would probably say no, uh, but I think we should think about trying to bring them on board. Um, it's a very difficult conversation to have. As you can see, it's difficult to have it among the countries that I mentioned. It's difficult to bring countries like uh, India probably on board or countries in the Asia Pacific and Japan. Not that it's difficult, it's just that we don't have the forum. And one could say, well, it is G7, but it still hasn't produced a concrete result. And it also aims at just bringing forward voluntary measures. It does not uh, try to do what I just explained because it's a different type of convening that, that, I, that I have in mind and I have discussed with other with other experts uh, but we you know we need to put every effort on the table um, to to bring others that we think don't see the way of technology don't see technology developed the same way uh, we do we need to try to have that conversation on this information and a couple of other topics the EU is is trying to have this conversation with China we have commissioners traveling to China and having those exchanges the question is what are the results I mean you can have an exchange but ideally um, there's there's a result that's exactly what I wanted to ask you. Have they made any progress in those conversations? Well, as you know, it was a bit difficult to travel to China until recently. So they have uh, just started those exchanges. When is the European AI Act hopefully going to go into effect? So uh, you rightly said that the plan is to finalize the AI Act negotiations by the end of the year. Uh, there's a big push for this to be done. Um, for me, it's important quality over speed. Uh, as one, uh, I'm one of the negotiators. Um, I would stand by this point, but I do understand there's a, a big political push to finalize the talk. Once the talks are finalized, we're going to have an exact date uh, when the uh, law is going to be enforced, and that's probably going to be 2026 or maybe towards the end of 2025. What we expect, however, is that a lot of companies might start to comply a little bit early. Uh, perhaps if the G7 Hiroshima process delivers on its promise, some of the voluntary measures might be quite similar to what the AI Act is. We'll see if companies uh, will subscribe to those. Um, so I expect a lot of movement in the next year or so. So if the companies don't move in that direction, is that too late? Hmm. Um I would like to think that it won't be too late, but I'm uh, deep down in myself an optimist. Um, I don't know. It depends what would happen in the next six months, because when you do talk to uh, the CEOs of those companies, they do believe the technology uh, will be evolving much faster. We obviously saw that. Um, we've heard about all sorts of scenarios uh, out there. Uh, the question is, who's gonna, you know, who's gonna be using that technology? Uh, is it going to be some of those uh, countries that are not really willing to deliver results? So I, I think it's, you know, it's it's just like a weapon. You could use it uh, 
to do something that's beneficial for society and you could use it to harm society. Um, and if someone uses it to harm society, uh, I think we will then understand that those measures should have come earlier. But the damage would have been done at that point. But this is usually, you know, speaking of how policymakers move and how legislation moves. I mean, if you, if you, if I can make a slightly different comparison, but a very um, recent one, uh, we knew our dependencies in Europe from Russia, and yet we were not bold enough to take any steps in cutting those dependencies, or at least making sure that they're uh, not so uh, strong as as they were. So now we're all worried, but the uh, tackling, uh, you know, the AI issues that are out there, it's not necessarily the first concern of policymakers or European leaders. Lately, we have seen that the first concern are the biggest crisis we need to tackle. And that's the right thing to do, because the biggest question for the democratic world to tackle today is to make sure that Ukraine wins the war. However, we, I think, need to understand our realities and there that we not just live in an ever more complex world, but we are constantly fighting a crisis. So we should not lose the ability for foresight, the ability to prepare, to be resilient, um, and to tackle those other big topics while being in a permanent crisis. You have said and written uh, that there should be more cooperation amongst the world's democracies on technology issues. Why hasn't there been more cooperation? Is it because of competition hmm. or something else? Yeah, I think it's a very fair point. I think the way um, very often when I sit in some of the negotiations room in the European Parliament, I do hear colleagues being concerned about being better than the US, about being uh, faster uh, than the US. And for me, of course, we are competitors, but we are also our closest allies. So on some of the most pressing issues, we have to collaborate more uh, and be concerned about whether there is enough collaboration rather than whether we are uh, faster and better and the first one and have a competitive advantage. You so it's a bit of a very different, you know, way to, to view things. Uh, but I think this is, it's so important for the long run. And money's at stake. Absolutely. You've laid out three key steps which you say need to be taken. Um, let's talk about those if, I, if you don't mind. The first is identify key technologies that need democratic leadership. What are those technologies in your view? Um, well, I mean, definitely artificial intelligence, um, but but not only. Uh, the EU and the US both worked on our respective chips acts. Um, I think uh, there, when I would again listen to many of my colleagues, it was more about the competition. It was not so much about where can we learn from one another, because we have different approaches. Uh, the EU, when it comes to technologies or climate change, we like to set goals and aims, but we often don't have the means. Uh, we often don't have the resources. So we focus on our strengths, but it's very difficult to scale our strengths when you do not have um, the ambitious uh, financial support. And in the US, it's a little bit the opposite. So sometimes I think, uh, you know, 
we need to have the conversations and help one another. Our relationship has to go deeper and, and we need to understand each other better. So that goes, I think, to your second point, which is align resources and investments up production capacity and upskill people. Yeah, indeed. Um, I, I again think that I mean, if we are to, if we are to come on, if we are to make sure that technologies are not just developed according to our values, uh, but they're developed at scale as well. Uh, we have to cooperate in any means and ways possible, whether that's our researchers exchanging information, working together on projects. And I think in a way the TTC puts the basis of that. But we it has to become more targeted. It has to become uh, more goal-oriented on certain issues. Um, it cannot be 10 working groups. There are certain things that need to excel that are strategically important. Um, some of the initiatives in the TTC, they're fixing an old problem. I would like that the TTC focus on making sure there's not a new problem emerging. Um, the third of the key points that you said needed to be taken was de-conflicting approaches to regulation. We've talked about that a bit. Hmm. Do you want to expand on the need for alignment here? Um, the difference to other events in the past is that um, it's very, I mean, it's it's not a product um, that you can keep in a certain country. Um, the way, if we speak particularly on AI, the way AI is being used, um, it's, it's much more accessible, can be more accessible from everywhere at all times. So it won't make sense for Europe to be seen as some sort of an isolated island of regulation. And it might have the global, the golden standard of regulation, but it would just make more sense if there's a global standard. And so we can lead the way, but we need to bring others uh, on board uh, with us. And again, I, 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 we have the TTC, so why not bring those other countries on board? Europe has started to uh, begun a TTC with India, which is in its very, very early stages. But it would make a lot of sense if we uh, put more uh, beef to the bone, uh, but also uh, invite more people around the table. What we see often now, I kind of feel, when we have these global discussions is, instead of all of us sitting on one big table together. You have about 20 table booked, but each table is booked for two. Um, so I think we need to rethink, um, you know, the challenges and how we approach them it has to have come with a different approach. Okay. And TTC to clarify stands for Trade and Technology Council, correct? Yes. Got that right. Okay. Um, elections are coming up in 2024 in the U.S., also in the EU, India, many countries, I think, Two billion people? Is that the number Probably. going to the polls, I think, in 2024? Are you worried that those elections will result in a loss of momentum on technology cooperation? That's been my worry since the beginning of this year, to be honest. Um, and I don't like to be overly critical, but I'm not sure we grasp that momentum necessarily. Again, we grasp it. Um, in our respective 
regions or cities, but we haven't grasped it as a whole, as those democratic countries working together and trying to provide solutions together. So I'm a bit worried that as we get to 2024, uh, the momentum, you know, uh, is, is going to quiet down a little bit. However, um, the elections are the perfect place and moment uh, for those bad actors to utilize some of those very f- available technologies today uh, to, uh, you know, put mud in the water and to make sure that uh, whatever people hear, read, see, scroll, uh, it's not going to be, uh, you know, uh, necessarily uh, what uh, we would like them uh, to see. Uh, it's not going to be balanced. It's not going to be real. It's going to try to have this information disorder out there. Uh, there's probably going to be a big number of deep fakes uh, out there. And maybe this is when politicians will realize that, whoops, maybe we should have acted. Maybe we should have found how AI could counter that, uh, for example, because it can detect deep fakes, right? But so we need to to find the, the, the right balance. So maybe that might be a wake-up call. It would be a bad wake-up call because it would undermine the most important process, our democratic process, and it would be a terrible election interference in a way. Or politicians should say, oh, this is quite a tool. I think I'll use it. Um, There will be some, unfortunately. But that's the realities today, and this is why it's important to have these crucial conversations, Um, not just with, uh, you know, my colleagues that with whom we agree, but we need to have those provocative uh, voices in a room, whether that's academia, whether it's media, and be like, you need to think that not everyone would use it the way you would use it. Um, and then what do we do about it? Um, so it could be some sort of a transatlantic exchange of uh, information or on on disinformation just like we have on cybersecurity but we need to think of ways of how to counter those bad actors that you know th- this is their golden moment right um, so we we need to think about that as well but because it's election years everyone's focused on their own election and on their own re-election so that's why it's a perfect moment for those that are just you know engaging propaganda and and trying to distract our societies um, with their messages as somebody said to me once you have to stay in the game to play the game yeah so you do what you do to stay in it um would you go so far as to argue as some other people have that the future of democracy is at stake here I'll go back a little bit to uh, and bring the 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 beginning of the war in in Ukraine. Um, I think it is, of course, at stake. But I think we could have sent a much stronger message. Should we have found the leadership and also the guts? to support even in a more decisive way Ukraine. And that would have been the strongest message to those that try to undermine our democratic processes. We'll leave it there. Eva Maydell, member of the European Parliament, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. And you've been listening to and watching Natset Tech from the Special Competitive Studies Project. I'm Jean Meserve. Thanks a lot for joining us.